Wu uh, Kwan, uh, case 35, which is the true Tian? The case. Wu Tzu Fayan asked a monk, the woman Jian and her spirit separated, which is the true Jian? Women's comment. If you realise the true one, then you'll know that emerging from one husk and entering another is like a traveller putting up at an inn. If this is still not clear, don't rush about recklessly. When you suddenly separate into earth, water, fire and air, you'll be like a crab dropped into boiling water, struggling with your seven hands and eight legs. Don't say, I never told you. <laughs> Women's verse. The moon and the clouds are the same. Mountains and valleys are different. All are blessed. All are blessed. Is this one? Is this two? Please sit comfortably. Uh, we take up a very famous uh, Khan uh, this afternoon by um, a teacher, uh, Wu Tzu uh, Fayan. Uh, he was ordained very late, at 35, unlike most of the, the, the Zen masters in the lineage. So he came to teaching um, from, a, from a mature perspective with a lot of life experience. And this reflects uh, in, uh, in his kinds and uh, the stories that come down about him. Um, he's, uh, he's really worldly and it's kind of matters of sexuality, embarrassment, getting things wrong and the, the, the kind of, um, it's, not, it, it's ordinary life but with a heightened poetic sensibility and sense of fun, um, which is like all of them, but seems particularly marked in his case. He lived from 1024, we're not sure when he was born, but around then and died in 1104 uh, at 80, which is a heartenedly long life. Uh, his postal address was Uncle Toe, which is how he was known. Uncle Toe, who lived somewhere or other at the foot of Yellow Plum Mountain. Okay, so you were trying to get in contact with him. It was a kind of postal address um, for him. There's a story of, of um, Wu Tzu in, uh, uh, here he is in teaching mode. And um, um, the man who became his student and actually a, a really, really great successor in the Yangtze branch of the Lin Chi line was Wan Wu uh, Keqin. And uh, when he was very young, he came to Wu Tzu and he was very proud of this uh, young one Wu. He was very proud of his spiritual knowledge, um, but um, he found Wu Tzu uh, unfriendly, unsympathetic, um, and he felt uh, rebuffed. So, uh, archetypally, uh, he left in a huff. Um, such a common theme, you know, in the in the way. And uh, Wu Tzu said to him. Remember me when you are ill with fever. 
and indeed in time uh, Wan Wu uh, did become seriously ill and when he recovered he came back to Wu Tzu. On one occasion Wan Wu heard Wu Tzu quoting lines from a popular song to a high official who wanted to know what Zen was about. And he quoted this little poem. Um, she calls to her serving girl, Little Jade, not because she wants something, but just so her lover will hear her voice. It's really beautiful. She's calling out to her serving maid, but that's not the point at all. It's just so her lover will hear um, her voice. And Wutsu said, uh, you know, that's very like Zen itself. And uh, Wan Wu had an awakening and in time he became Wutsu's successor. But um, the, the, the way of teaching, um, the poem itself, um, the eros of the poem is very typical of, of Wutsu uh, in his teaching. So do you want to hear her voice? You want to hear that voice? Then just close your eyes. voice is always. Uh, if Cohen's of the folk stories of Zen, as Akinoshi claims, then here is an old Chinese folk story as a Khan. And this is the, the backstory to the Khan itself, uh, Jian and her spirit separated. old Chinese folk story. There lived in Hanyang a man called Tien, whose child daughter Jian was of peerless beauty. He also had a nephew called Jia, a very handsome boy. The children played together and were fond of each other. Once Tien jestingly said to his nephew, someday I will marry you to my little daughter. Both children remembered these words and believed themselves to be betrothed. When Jian grew up, a man of rank asked for her in marriage and her father decided to comply with the demand. Jian, his daughter, was greatly troubled by this decision. As for Cha, he was so angry and aggrieved that he resolved to leave home and go to another province. The next day, he got a boat ready for his journey and after sunset, without bidding farewell to anyone, he proceeded up the river. But in the middle of the night, he was startled by a voice calling to him, Wait! Tis I! And he saw a girl running along the bank towards the boat. It was Jian. Chao was unspeakably delighted. She sprang into the boat, and the lovers found their way safely to the province of Chu. In the province of Chu, they lived happily for six years and had two children. But Jian could not forget her parents and often longed to see them again. 
At last she said to her husband, Because in former times I could not bear to make the promise made to you, I ran away with you and forsook my parents, although knowing that I owed them all possible duty and affection. Would it not now be well to try to obtain their forgiveness? Don't grieve yourself about that, said Charles. Uh, we shall go to see them. He ordered the boat to be prepared and a few days later he returned with his wife to Hanyang. According to custom in such cases, the husband first went to the house of Kien, leaving Jiang alone in the boat. Kien welcomed his nephew with every sign of joy. Now, Kien is the father. Kien welcomed his nephew with every sign of joy and said, How much I have been longing to see you. I was afraid that something had happened to you. Chao answered respectfully, I am distressed by the undeserved kindness of your words. It is to beg forgiveness that I have come. But Kien did not seem to understand. He asked, to what matter do you refer? <coughs> I feared, said Chao, that you were angry with me for having run away with Qian. I took her with me to the province of Chu. What Qian was that? asked Kien. Your daughter, Jian, answered Chao, beginning to suspect his father-in-law of some malevolent design. What are you talking about? cried Kien, with every appearance of astonishment. My daughter, Jian, has been sick in bed all these years, ever since the time when you went away. Your daughter, Jian, returned Chao, becoming angry, has not been sick. She has been my wife for six years and we have two children and we have both returned to this place only to seek your pardon. Therefore, please do not mock us. For a moment, the two looked at each other in silence. Then Kien arose and, motioning for his nephew to follow, led the way to an inner room where a sick girl was lying. And Chao, to his utter amazement, saw the face of Jian, beautiful, but strangely thin and pale. She cannot speak, explained the old man, but she can understand. And Kien said to her, laughingly, Chow tells me you ran away from home with him and that you gave him two children. The sick girl looked at Chow and smiled, but remained silent. Now come with me to the river, said the bewildered visitor to his father-in-law, for I can assure you in spite of what I have seen in this house, that your daughter Jian is at this moment in my boat. They went to the river, and there indeed was the young wife waiting. And seeing her father, she bowed down before him and besought his pardon. Kien said to her, If you really are my daughter, I have nothing but love for you. Yet though you seem to be my daughter, there is something I cannot understand. Come with us to the house. So the three proceeded towards the house. As they neared it, they saw the sick girl, who had not left her bed for years, was coming to meet them, smiling as if much delighted. And the two Jians approached each other, but then nobody could ever tell how they suddenly melted into each other and became one body, one person, one Jian, even more beautiful than before, and showing no sign of sickness or sorrow.
Tian said to Chow, Ever since the day of your going, my daughter was dumb and most of the time like a person who had taken too much wine. Now I know that her spirit was absent. Jian herself said, Really, I never knew that I was at home. I saw Chow going away in silent anger and the same night I dreamed that I ran after his boat. But now I cannot tell which was really I, the eye that went away in the boat or the eye that stayed at home. And uh, Wu Tzu says, uh, which is the true Jiang? That, that is the, that is the Khan. You know, it's uh, wonderfully archetypal. Childhood love, the call of duty, rebellion, elopement, uh, marrying, uh, having children away from parents in another city. And then, you know, you move out to that extreme. All of us know this in some way in our life. Then you, uh, you move to the extreme and then that need to reconnect, to come home, to seek reconciliation, to seek forgiveness, uh, uh, begins to arise. And so they, they come back. Um, psychologically, um, the story, I used to spend a lot of time with the psychology of the story, but it doesn't seem quite so significant these days. But I think that it reminds us that beneath parts of ourselves which are active, positive, competent, um, and quite capable in the world, um, there are regions of helplessness um, uh, where we uh, find it very difficult to function um, at all. Um, muteness is very interesting in the story as well. Uh, Chiang can hear, but she cannot speak. Um, with suggestions of abuse, trauma, um, suffering. Yeah, but there is a deeper intimacy which is taking place here. Um, the two Jians, um, become one, melt into each other. So she, it's like a dream, the end of the story. Chan saying, no, I cannot tell which was really I, the I that ran away in the boat or the I that remained at home. Yeah, which is the true Jian? Is it the one who went to a distant city, married her lover and had two children, or the one who remained at home, mute, bedridden, and ill. We are invited to choose. Uh, which one? If you choose, you split. Uh, if you split, uh, needless to say, that is not uh, it. Uh, Wutsu sets up a classic dilemma here, and you have to pass between the horns of that dilemma.
It's just about becoming intimate. Uh, at depth, the question really is, who is the true one? Which one is the true one? Who is he? Who are you, indeed, here? Mm. When we read a great novel like uh, Tolstoy's Anna Karenina, um, we become, in some sense, Anna, Bronsky, uh, Levin. Um, this is the wonder of, of fiction. It's... Um, that complete identification uh, without which you can't really read uh, a novel. And uh, that identification, um, in a way, um, you know, is totally there when you're reading the novel and then gradually releases itself as you rejoin your life and that. But um, there is a kind of, there is what is called reality reading. Um, and I think we have this with novels, but we have it especially uh, in the reading of um, of Cohen's and uh, Mozumi, uh, where she talks about the various forms of reading. This case is very uncharacteristic in Zen to talk about reading, but, but here it is, and this is his account. He says, There are numerous ways to read a book skimming, memorising, careful study, quiet reading, reading aloud, reading with the body, reading with the mind and reality reading. Uh, it's, he's talking about the Blue Cliff Record. This is the forward to the Blue Cliff Record. It is this last kind of reading which the Blue Cliff Record requires. In this mode, you yourself become the case. Uh, you yourself become the, the characters of this case. Uh, and then he says, and in so doing, the Blue Cliff of ancient China stands revealed as your very life, right here in this time and place. So this is just not, uh, not just fictional identification, is that you, you sit so pointedly that you become completely intimate. This is a very different way to, to read, if you will. Very different. Women writes a little comment on this kind. He goes, <coughs> if you realise the true one, then you'll know that emerging from one husk and entering another is like a traveller putting up at an inn. Okay, this is really interesting. If you realise the true one, then you will know that emerging from one husk and entering another is like a traveller putting up at an inn. And this refers to our journey of life and death, uh, where our life is likened to putting up at an inn, um, or in Australian terms, staying at a pub. <laughs> Um, putting up an inn is much more, uh, much more the, the vibe here, I think, um, the spirit of it, the, the commentary. Um, and he, de he develops this beautiful um, analogy here. He says, 
The true one can be likened to the water itself and the husks and hotels to the various waves. Each wave is a form of the ocean water at that moment. Okay? And this is, these are the encounters of our lives. It's not our life, but it's also the encounters of our lives. And he's saying these are like the waves on the ocean. Um, the ocean itself stands for true person uh, in all the immensity of that. And each wave of the particular circumstances, which are also the ocean itself. Uh, each of our circumstances embodies the whole is not separate uh, from it. How various the waves are, some big, some small, um, some little more than a ripple. Uh, so the encounters of our lives, when a child comes to us, we open to her as a child and deal with her as a child. When a wise person comes, we open to her wisdom and honour the gifts that she brings. We deal appropriately with each particular being by meeting them fully and acknowledging them completely. This is true person. Um, when we meet each person fully, we lose and find ourselves over and over enlightening others and becoming enlightened ourselves in an unending dance. Now a, now a grandparent, now a musician, now a teacher, now glad, now sad, now mad, now bad. Okay. In all of these circumstances, uh, this is the manifestation of true person. Each of our roles flashes from darkness, each is the face of that darkness. Then he says, if this is not clear, don't rush about recklessly. Okay. Don't abandon your practice and go and take up something else. <laughs> Joko Beck used to say, with some people, the way they practice, like, you know, sitting there like a blob or not um, bringing their practice to bear in their life, she'd say, you'd be better off working on your golf swing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but don't, don't rush around recklessly. Just settle in right where you are. No other place to be. Um, and then he warns, when you suddenly separate into earth, water, fire and air, you'll be like a crab dropped into boiling water, struggling with your seven hands and eight legs. Okay, so he's uh, saying, look, if you, if you rush around recklessly and, that, and you don't realise this matter, this is what will happen to you. He says, don't say I didn't tell you. But it's wonderful, this image, because it's the image of Kuan Yin as well, with the seven hands and... Uh, eight legs. So even in the worst of it, um, that spirit of wisdom and compassion is alive even in the boiling pot. And we all know about the boiling pot of our lives. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Um, someone asked Chao Cho, um, will you go to hell? And uh, Chao Cho said, uh, yes, I will. And the person said, the student said, but you're a great Zen teacher, why would you go to hell? And he said, if I didn't go to hell, there would be no one to teach you. This <laughs> is like, it's just the Bodhisattva, you know, even in hell. So settle right in where you are. Uh, come back to Mu, come back to the moment. Uh, come back to your breath come back to who was the true Qian.
women's little verse at the end. The moon and the clouds are the same. Mountains and valleys are different. All are blessed. All are blessed. Is this one? Is this two? The moon and the clouds are the same. Uh, no distinction. Uh, mother and wife, um, invalid, no difference at all in the vastness. Uh, mountains and valleys are different? Of course they are different! One is ill, bedridden and mute, and the other one is a wife with all of the yeah, with all of the immense complexities of being a wife and a mother and bringing up children. Couldn't be more different. Mountains and valleys are different. So he poses the two options again uh, for us here. Then it's beautifully just says, all are blessed, all are blessed. So you're encouraged to let go at that point of those. He throws up this option, throws up this option and says, all are blessed. All are blessed. Let go. Let go of that. Then he says, is this one? Is this two? Uh, it's really important not to be literal here. This is not just... The, it is the question again to remind you. Is this one? Is this two? Is this 